Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello and welcome to the show. Today, our guest is Ryan McKenna of McKenna Capital. He was uh, on the DJE podcast back in episode 36. So we are fast forwarding a couple of years and catching up with him and what he's been up to with this firm. Lots of growth, a tremendous amount of growth. I mean, this is why I want to have him back on the podcast. He's gone from uh, you know, professional baseball player to entrepreneur to starting his private equity company to now going to the point where he's done you know, 80 syndications, 100 LP investments in all kinds of asset classes, Bitcoin mining, multifamily, car washes, ATMs, self-storage. I mean, you, kind of the whole gamut. But uh, Bill, he's built his business on picking good, solid deals, making consistent win, uh, getting consistent wins for his investors. And I think he's just got his philosophy for how he's built his company in the right place to, to create a lot of referral business, which I think a lot of us that are syndicating deals, that's absolutely the way you approach it. So super cool to get an update from Ryan um, on his successes. And I really enjoyed the podcast. I think you will too. Before we jump into that, a quick note, if you are not seeing DJE deals, projects from our company, investment projects, and you want to see those, you can sign up at djetexas.com or go to the show notes and click that link to get access and we can send you case studies and we can get you set up in the portal, all that fun stuff so that you're ready um, when the next project launches. And secondly, if you're interested in accelerating your apartment education and learning how to go operate these large multifamily projects as an investment, we created the community apartmenteducators.com for just that. So a full ecosystem of tools, processes, training, resources, um, relationships, everything that you need to go out and build a team to go out and do the multifamily investment business that's available at apartmenteducators.com. All right, let's jump in to the episode here with Mr. Ryan McKenna. Here we go. Ryan, hey, welcome to the show. It's awesome to see you again, man. It's been a while and I look forward to catching up. How are you? Devin, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks again for having me on your show and uh, yeah, looking forward to catching up as well. Yeah, so you were on, uh, I think it's episode 36 of the DJE podcast. So that was some time back. This will probably be episode, you know, 180 something uh, or whatever. So that's on a weekly show that it's some time has passed. And I've just been um, kind of marveling at you guys trajectory, right? I, I'm on your list. I see your deals come out. I see all kinds of different asset classes, growing the company, bringing people on. I love that stuff, man. I'm an entrepreneur and that stuff fires me up. So for those that are maybe not in your universe already, how about, you know, how did you get into this, this entrepreneurial space? And then I want to definitely spend a lot of time on what you've been up to the last couple of years. Yeah, no, that's uh thanks, Devin. That's a great, great place to start. And uh, I got um, into, well, I would say I, I first learned of multifamily syndication back when I was in college. Um, actually, I played baseball at Arizona State, a teammate of mine, his father was an apartment syndicator in Phoenix. And mm -hmm. I, I just took kind of a natural liking to what he was doing and just thought it was really cool. He'd come in and like buy these, you know, large apartment complexes, which I was like fascinated 
by how he was able to do that. And, you know, he explained to me back then that he did it through a syndication and that he was raising capital from investors. And so I just thought, oh, that was really cool because he had this lifestyle where he was able to coach, you know, his sons growing up in baseball and just always be there. He got to go to all the, you know, away games. He could just fly around. And it just was like this lifestyle that I was like, man, I want to do that someday, but I didn't really know how he did it. So um, as I was, you know, pursuing baseball, you know, that was kind of my dream. And I, I thought I was going to be like that, you know, that, that athlete that made it and, you know, made some money and was able to invest it wisely. And, 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 you know, I was going to be this full-time investor after a baseball career. Um, well, end of my sophomore year, I, I got diagnosed with ITP, which is a blood platelet disorder. And it's very similar to leukemia and lupus. And it, it derailed my whole baseball career. Um, I was bedridden for months. And it was oh, at wow. that time where, I started to really think about like what I was going to do now that baseball might, you know, might not happen. I might never be able to play again. And so I, I remember reading books about real estate investing and, and, and talking with uh, my, my teammate's father at the time, he actually, you know, mailed me a few books on commercial real estate and apartment investing. Uh, but I was also introduced to uh, rich dad, poor dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And that book kind of became like the blueprint for all the investing that I've done. And that, you know, back then wanted to do, and so, um, you know, if I, if I fast forward a little bit, you know, I was able to um, do a medical red shirt and come back on my, my senior year and, and finish up at Arizona State and, and actually play baseball again, which I didn't think was going to happen. But I literally had to walk away my, myself because I couldn't go on to the next level just for risk of my health at that point. We just didn't know, um, you know, what really caused this, but I'm completely fine now. But basically what it did is it just allowed me to get into the business world faster. And at the back of my mind, you know, I, I use a lot of my skill set, you know, the training, the discipline, the motivation that I had for, you know, wanting to pursue a baseball career. I, I've now, you know, pushed that all into the business world and into, you know, real estate syndication um, specifically. And so, um, you know, like most entrepreneurs, I, I started a, you know, a business or two on the side while I was working full time. And so I, you know, had a little bit of capital to play around with, uh, you know, from time to time. And so I started investing back in 2006. Um, I actually bought a, a single family rental in, in Arizona and started kind of doing that and, you know, realized that very quickly it wasn't going to scale the way I had hoped for, but I felt like, okay, well, that's kind of how I was going to get started. I would learn, you know, what I like about real estate investing, what I don't like. And, I quickly found out it wasn't uh, a passive way to invest. And that was always the attraction to, you know, real estate investing in syndications. And that was what I was reading about in uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so um, after, you know, several years of doing that, I think 2016 was the first time that I started investing passively in multifamily syndications. And the first five deals I did was with um, my teammate's father with his syndication firm. And so I felt like I obviously had known him. I followed him all those years and just reached out to him when I had questions. And it felt good to invest and to diversify because they were in several markets um, on the West Coast at the time. And then from there, I, I started investing with other syndicators because I wanted to get more diversification. I also wanted to learn like how they were, you know, structuring their deals and what their business plan and focus was. And all while in the back of my mind, I was preparing myself for someday, you know, getting into the syndication business and helping others do what I was doing because it was um, impacting my life and, and putting myself in a place where I could live a lifestyle by design and where I had enough cash flow coming in that it gave me, you know, more freedom and flexibility. And so um, in a period of about three years while I was um, 
in the insurance uh, world, I, I was able to invest enough to kind of walk away. And um, in 2018, I, I started McKenna Capital as a, a way to really help other people um, invest passively in these syndications, all while I was continuing to keep growing my portfolio and looking for um, you know, unique opportunities to, to further diversify. And so that's really kind of you know, the whole story, how it came together. And we, we've grown very quickly in, in the last four or five years. Um, we've done over 80 syndications. Um, wow. I've been a part of as a, as a general partner and I've invested in over a hundred um, limited partnerships. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, I've got a good, good flavor for what's going on out there and very well diversified, but also very well connected with, I, I think the real estate community, it's a great community out there and it's fun to see all of us uh, continue to grow. And that's, that's the part I love most about, I think is the relationships, you know, with the investors, with our operating partners and just everyone that we kind of come in contact with. I feel like, um, you know, there's just a lot of good people in this space. And so, um, you know, here we are, uh, catching up. And so, um, yeah, no, it's, it's great to kind of share the story again and, uh, happy to kind of walk through in any more details, uh, you know, anything else from that. Yeah, no, I love it. And thanks for, for the very kind of condensed recap of, you know, your entire life up till now, but I think that's helpful <laughs> for people to get, uh, get some context there. Um, yeah, I think it's a real benefit too to somebody that's coming to you maybe as a newer LP um, to to say, see that man you've been in all kind of stuff hundred LP positions I mean that's that's no joke and you start to kind of see um, what operators are doing well what they're not doing well what asset classes have you know certain pros and cons and there's no substitute for the experience the ten thousand hours all that good stuff and people can kind of piggyback on that through you to say well Ryan's placing money in this. I mean, he's, he's certainly seen enough of these deals come across his plate because it's pretty daunting as an LP for the first time exploring, you know, what's considered an alternative asset class to even understand some of the, you know, terms and, and everything like that. So that's probably a huge benefit for people that are coming to you looking to place capital, right? Yeah, I, I would say so because, um, you know, early on when I started McKenna Capital, I mean, I was just sharing what I was doing personally and it just resonated with others where they're like, sure. oh yeah, you made these investments. This is kind of how, you know, your experience went. And, and I think they, they could relate to the story. And, and I started to see a lot of interest in people wanting to do the same thing. And, and really what I was doing was just, you know, telling them, I, I, I did a lot of research. Uh, I had many years to study, read all the books, but eventually you got to take some sort of action. And yep. that's really when I learned a lot too, is I, you know, got into these deals and I got to follow the progress and I got to actually see, you know, the cash flow. I got to see what a sale looks like. I got to see the tax benefits. So it became very real to me. So I can share a lot of, you know, what I've personally experienced. And I think, um, you know, in this business, it's a lot of trust and relationship building too. And so um, that, that, that is, you know, resonated well with, with others. And, and that's how I've learned too. I, I learned from others who have done things that I haven't done that maybe I want to do. So I try to kind of get close to them and learn um, and, and try to, you know, replicate what they've been able to build. And so um, that, that's something I think is pretty cool. Um, and why I love syndications. I, I always say it's a team sport, you know, we're all in this together. Yes. We all get to invest together and it's just fun to, to kind of be on this journey, um, with everyone as well. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's more fun to win, um, as a team and God, the deals can get so big and diverse. I want to get into asset classes and you're going to probably have to rein me in on not turning this into a three hour Bitcoin, um, <laughs> geek out. Cause I am such a Bitcoin, um, 
bull, even though we're in a Bitcoin bear market as of this recording, but yeah. asset classes for McKenna Capital. Stop me if I get one wrong, but multifamily, self-storage, car washes, ATM, Bitcoin mining. What did I miss? Um, we've done a, a mobile home park fund, um, done uh, senior living development. So yeah, we, we've kind of, uh, I would say our bread and butter. I mean, we love multifamily. It's yep. our core. I would yep, say the other deals, you know, follow similar, similar characteristics to, you know, cash flow, some sort of, you know, equity upside and great tax benefits. And so um, that's really been kind of the three things that we look for, you know, beyond a very solid team and market. It's, of course. you know, we want, uh, we love cash flow. And we want to see that. And, um, and, and so, yeah, a lot of investors, you know, we've listened to them as far as what they're looking for. And so a lot of this is, you know, we're working off of the demand that our investors, um, are, are providing to us or sharing with us. And, um, and then obviously, you know, we're through our relationships and networking, we're always kind of looking at, you know, what, what might be the next best up and coming opportunity or what's going to continue to keep, you know, just providing that the, the, those great returns year after year. And so, um, yeah, we've just found multifamily to be this, this core asset that we absolutely love. But then, you know, I'd say probably 20% of the deals we do would, would fall into this alternatives bucket. And, the, we've seen a lot of growth in that over the last couple of years as investors, you know, have maybe deployed a lot of capital in multifamily and they want to try different things. They want to invest in different things, you know, for various reasons. It could be, hey, I want to uh, take on a little bit more risk for bigger upside or, hey, I want, you know, shorter duration, more cash flow. And it, it really allows the investors to kind of pick and choose or, you know, to pair investments together right. um, just to kind of give their portfolio, you know, whatever kind of you know, lift they need. Yeah. It's such a balancing act. We've kind of, we've kind of gone through that as a firm too. It's like, you want to have a lot of, uh, you want to have more items on the menu than maybe just your standard kind of multifamily syndication. But, um, you, you know, there's, there's also something to be said for, for discipline and focus and not chasing shiny objects, but you kind of need both, right? You need some diversity of asset classes to be able to provide people, but you, you, you want to be cautious about stepping into those. So, it's definitely a balancing act, um, you know, b- between that and you've got to cater to your audience. I mean, you know, these syndications run because people need a place to deploy capital and they've got to feel, they've got to feel good about it. Um, but yeah, we feel the same way on multifamily. It's just kind of the thing that's always there. That's not going anywhere. And there's always going to be headwinds, whether it's, you know, current interest rates or whatever, but there's not enough housing in a lot of these markets that we're in. And, you know, the fundamentals are all pretty strong in multifamily. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we found that asset class and it's been a core focus and, um, and, and we take, you know, any new opportunity, another asset class, you know, very serious with as far right. as do we jump in, do we not? Because, um, you know, we want to get that right if we can. And typically I'll do a personal investment ahead of time to really kind of test run it and I love um, it. You know, yeah. see, see how it plays out because I've done yep. some where I'm like, okay, yeah, this, this wouldn't be good for a syndication purpose, even though some investors might like it, but as a whole, it just, it, it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't go over well or, or it's too risky. Um, so, and then now we're kind of at a point where we've got, you know, a good foundation of, 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 of deal flow and different assets that if we do, you know, look at another, you know, new asset class or even new, a new joint venture partner, you, you know, we have this baseline that like, 
you know, the thing I look at is like, it's got to be better than what we already have, or just doesn't make sense to do it. Cause we don't need to do right. a deal to do a deal. I mean, I, I love it. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't have a board I report to where I, and you know, it's a certain amount of deals we got to do. It's like, I follow the demand of the investors, but I also know, like, I don't want to um, spread ourselves too thin. I don't want to do something that I'm not confident in. And uh, again, it's got to be different and better than what we currently have, or it's just not really worthwhile. And so that's just kind of the way I look at it. And, um, you know, it, it's worked out well so far. And um, that's just kind of been, been, you know, how we, how we would take on any new opportunities. Yeah, I love that approach. I, I think we've taken the same approach over the few years. It's it's kind of like you're an explorer and you're out there with your own money at yeah. the tip of the spear. And, and if something works well for you, maybe then you consider bringing it back to the group because your standard of care, I suppose, for for investor capital for, seems to be so much higher than the you know the regard for our own capital, which yeah. is how it should be, right? Yeah, I mean, I I understand every investment. There's 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 risk involved, and of course. I'm willing to take you know a certain amount of risk because you know I also have a lot of you know what I would consider safer investments. When I you know mentioned multifamily and and so some of the other asset classes I do or other investments I do, you know, I'm willing to take on a little bit more risk for uh, maybe you know bigger upside or just you know for, for more diversification. But I also don't want to put ourselves in a position where you know we're we're taking on you know unnecessary risk to try to chase an extra dollar that just you know wouldn't wouldn't make sense. So I'm very protective of our of our investors and and the types of deals that we would syndicate um, because at the end of the day, you know all it takes is one one bad deal and it could really ruin what you've spent so much time uh, to build and right. um, and so your reputation is very important and I uh, you know I I hold that very dearly because I feel like we we've we've done this one investor at a time and we've been building off our reputation, working with referrals. And I just always want to be the best I can be, you know, to our investor base. And, um, and so I don't want to take on any unnecessary risk if, if we don't have to. Yeah, that's right. It's such a, the common, you know, kind of theme for, for, I guess the, this, the private equity shop that's kind of founder led, it's like, you, you're calling all the shots. You don't have a board to answer to, to your point, you don't have a minimum number of deals you need to do or capital you need to place. I mean, you can have targets, but this really is like, let's just keep doing one good deal after another. And the more, the longer you're in business, the more that reputation has gravity and you, you don't want to mess it up. Um, I could certainly relate to that. Well, let's talk about the team. So, yeah. you know, last time we spoke a couple of years ago, um, you were, you're in the business, the business was, was growing. And then fast forward to now you guys are, are doing a ton of deals, ton of markets, ton of asset classes. How's the team um, and your kind of internal systems and processes changed in, in that time through that growth? Yeah, well, we definitely got to the point where um, you know, I needed some help. And so uh, my brother had, had been following along what I was doing uh, for the last few years. And, you know, was always taking interest in the things that, you know, I was pursuing. And, and um, I think he saw a great opportunity that, you know, to, to help me. And uh, it was just perfect timing. And um, I love the fact that, you know, he was interested in doing what I was doing because, uh, he's my best friend. We get along very well, and his skill set, you know, complements some of the things that that you know that that um, that I need. You know, he he mm -hmm. he's got he's a CPA. You know, mm -hmm. he, he's big awesome. into finances and you know operational you know um, 
diligence and all that type of stuff, which, you know, I like to be working with the investors and our operating partners and, you know, analyzing deals. And, you know, he, he, he's okay being behind the scenes a little bit and just making sure everything runs smoothly. And so it's just this great match, this great fit, but he was able to take a huge, um, you know, workload off my plate and, and he's had a lot of fun. Like he's learning so much. He's on the front lines with me yeah. and it's really cool that we can, you know, now, take this to the next level and, um, having him on board was just, it was a key hire. And, um, it's one that I think, you know, our investors would say was a big benefit to them because he's, he's got more of the bandwidth to, to help with, you know, a lot of the, the questions and things that come up that, that, you know, um, I'm typically up, you know, late at night trying to respond to, but it's nice to have someone else who can kind of take things and run with it. So, um, he's been a great asset and, um, yeah, it's coming up on, I think a year now that he's been with us. And so, um, you know, we're still kind of busted at the seams. So, you know, we'll kind of see where, uh, the next year goes, but, but definitely, um, you know, we're still in, in growth mode and, um, it, it's, you know, more organic growth, like I said, kind of following up with the demand. And so, um, we'll kind of take a, a read on that. And if we need to expand further, obviously we'll, we'll do that. But for right now, um, it, we've got you know, just this great working relationship and just very in sync with, you know, the business overall and kind of the direction we're heading in. So it's great to, to have that. And, um, you know, not only with your brother, but just, you know, your, your COO. So. Yeah, I love it. Was he able, I guess, then to leave some other, you know, full-time corporate gig that, that he had to come over? He did. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he walked away. Um, he was at, you know, CPA firm for a while, and then he was at, in a pharmaceuticals, um, company and, you know, his role was, you know, financial reporting and working within, you know, um, the, the finance HR department. So, um, yeah, he, he, saw, an oppor- yeah, yeah. <laughs> he awesome. saw an opportunity, like, you know, obviously, you know, I'm in this entrepreneurial world where, you know, there's maybe a little bit more risk, but there's sure. this unlimited upside and, and potential. Yeah. And I think, you know, after a while, I mean, I felt like that too, you know, you, you can be in, in a safe position, but, you know, sometimes that safe position, if you don't have the control, <laughs> it's not so safe, right? Whereas I, this, I feel like, you know, I'm controlling my destiny one way or another by pursuing things that I want to do that I feel like, you know, you know, we're competent in doing, but um, I, I think, you know, it was, it was easier for him to kind of you know, joining this journey together. And I, I felt like I got the business to a good place where, you know, we were, we were very well stabilized, but, you know, to get to that next level, I just needed additional help. And so um, it, it, it's pretty cool to have him as, as my wingman and, and just, you know, partner in the firm with us. And, um, and especially given his background too, it's uh, there's not many CPAs that, that I see in the syndication space. So part of like what I wanted him to, um, you know, really understand was the impact, the tax impact to investors and just kind yeah. of what that looks like, because I think that's yep. a great asset, great value add that on our team, you know, can be provided. Not that he's doing CPA services, but like just general investor questions that come up, you know, looking at certain deals, you know, the tax implications, the impact, having a CPA that, you know, can kind of run through that and, and really get, you know, get clear on kind of what that looks like, um, I thought was very valuable too. And so he's, taken on that role is really kind of growing and learning in that space. And, and, you know, so it's been, it's been fun to, to have that. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and uh, just to stroke a luck that happened to be your brother and somebody that you can obviously trust and bring into this business. It's such a, you know, you really stick your neck out there as an entrepreneur and make the leap. And, you know, you work 24 seven for however many years it takes to get the company off the ground. And I think that's any successful entrepreneurs got that story. 
And to try to hand some of that off is such a challenging thing um, for, for all of us. And so I think, you know, your brother having that skill set, but also being your brother and the trust factors there in a way that just you couldn't really be there any other way is uh, that's a huge win, man. I love it. And, and I love hearing people getting, you know, I'm sure he works his tail off now, but it's a different deal than being in the big corporate machine or whatever the case is. Yeah, no, he he's starting to see kind of like the entrepreneurial side of this, which, right. um, you know, I would say, you know, it wasn't natural to him, but he's starting to kind of see, okay, well, you know, by taking calculated risk, yes, there's, there's, you know, bigger upside, but there's also no guarantees. And I think he, yep. he's starting to really like that and understand it more. Whereas I've always kind of been like that. That's always been my mindset. And, um, you know, and you learn from your failures, but I believe that, you know, if you've got a good plan in place and you've got the discipline, the work ethic, you know, you'll eventually end up, you know, where you want to be. You just don't know how long it's going to take there, what the journey might look like, but I, I fully believe in that. And so I think he's seen that and um, it's exciting. And, and my dad and mom are, are, are super proud to, you know, to, to see the two, two sons uh, working together yeah. in yeah. family business now. So yeah. it's just it, all around. Um, it, it's just a, a great feeling. And uh, I feel very you know lucky and fortunate that, you know, my brother who I can trust is, you know, my partner here. And yeah. Is he older or younger? I've got siblings. Is he older or younger? He's younger. He's three years okay. younger than I gotcha. am. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it probably works out better, right? If you were his younger brother founding the company and telling him what to do. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, we've always, you know, again, being brothers, yes, we've, we've had a few, you know, spats here and there, but like we've always gotten along really well. And he's always been, you know, just a huge supporter of everything, even with like, I was going through, you know, baseball and all that. And, um, yeah. you know, so I can understand where it's, you know, tough where you got an older brother who's, you know, trying to do all these things and, and he's always just been there. And that's, you know, that that's super important to know that, you know, you have, you know, that, that person that's always going to be there whenever you need them. And, um, it's just a relationship that we've always, uh, always nurtured and had, and, 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 you know, it's hopefully for life, you know, it'll be, yeah. be that way. Yeah. I love it. Um, let's talk about, you know, current market where, where you guys are at, what's happening, what the plans are for the future. You know, we're talking right now in Q3 of 2022, we're seeing, um, aggressive rate hikes and, and all the, um, cascading effects from that. Um, we're seeing, you know, uh, there's always turmoil in the world, which creates challenges and opportunities, but, you know, what have you guys seen this, I guess it's very different right now than it was say Q1 of 2022, right? Um, so, you know, what are you guys seeing out there? What are you hearing from investors? How has that changed your outlook on asset classes you're pursuing, deals you're doing? We talked a little bit in the green room before, you, you thought maybe there'd be a little more of a pause, you know, to kind of catch your breath on some stuff, but doesn't seem to really be the case. There's still a lot of deal flow. So, you know, what's your snapshot and take on the current uh, current market out there in the investing world? Yeah, I mean, we've definitely seen a shift from a, a seller's market to a buyer's market. Um, right. I would say, yeah, Q1, even into Q2. I mean, we, I think we sold 13 assets and, wow. um, you know, we were selling at a great time and it, really nice returns. And then all of a sudden, you know, the shift happened and a lot of it, the catalyst, I think, was the rising interest rates and not knowing, you know, exactly what that's going to look like. So there was, you know, kind of a, a pause in, in, in the marketplace between, you know, buyers and sellers and, and, you know, the new, you know, market dynamics that everyone's kind of dealing with. And so we've just seen this shift lately where um, 
it's it's been you know we, we've kind of taken a couple of properties you know off the market that we're looking to sell because we're in a great position we don't you know need to sell or want to sell at a discount right. just because a buyer says well interest rates are rising my cost of capital's gone up you know I want to you know make a lower offer um, and so we just said all right well you know hey that's that's how this new environment new period is you know that's fine we'll just continue to hold on to these assets operate them well and then eventually you know sell them when it when it makes sense. Um, but then we've also been opportunistic and kind of using the same story that yeah, the buyers the that approach side. us say, all right, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, if we're looking and the nice thing about it is we don't need to go acquire more deals. We don't need right. to buy, you know, new properties, but if a great deal is out there, absolutely we'll, we'll pursue it because there is demand and there's opportunity, um, out there. And so what, what we've seen happening lately is that, uh, and there's a lot of this is in Phoenix. That's our number one market. Um, we, we've purchased in the last four years over a billion and a half in, in, of real estate, wow. multifamily real estate in Phoenix. Fantastic. And it's been just an amazing run there. And so what we've seen is as things kind of took a pause with just um, lenders and just the market, you know, more recently, we've seen a lot of the brokers reach out and say, you know, so-and-so is, you know, willing to sell, you know, they've made good money. They're willing to cut a deal. And so these, these opportunities are now just kind of coming on our lap and we're, you know, underwriting them and also pricing in kind of, you know, the current, you know, economic landscape that, you know, maybe a little bit uncertain, but the numbers are looking really good and we're kind of cherry picking, you know, the best opportunities that we're, we're seeing and then making offers, not all of them work out, but some of them do. And so I, th I think, we're in this phase of just being a little bit more opportunistic and um, you know, it's not the pace that it was before, but I think things are starting to slowly open up a little bit. And um, you know, and so we're just kind of taking and looking at just, you know, the best opportunities we can, but we're not in a position where if we don't find a good deal, you know, we, we don't need to do one. And it, it's more just um, you know, sometimes just, you know, you hear about uh, a, a distress situation or someone's, you know, willing to, um, negotiate, you know, a little bit more. I and mean, those are the type of opportunities we're pursuing at the moment. And so um, if, if we win a few of those, you know, that's great. If we don't, you know, we just continue to keep uh, chugging along. Yeah, I love it. Hey, look, we're professional investors, right? We're never just going to sit on the sidelines for three years for perfect market conditions. Um, and it's interesting, you know, rates hike, which the Fed is totally stuck in a corner. I mean, you know, with inflation, where they are needing to cut rates. So they had to do something at some point. Uh, high rates cause debt markets to change, which lower prices. So, it, it, you know, we're all kind of in this quandary of, man, stuff's on sale. Um, we, we need to acquire it. It's just the it's on sale because the debt is uh, lower leverage or higher rate or whatever the case is. And so that's but stuff's on sale. You know, your, your basis to get in right now, if you can acquire assets with strong fundamentals and good markets, man, this is a basis we would have begged for a year ago, right? On a lot of these assets. So I think if people are willing to take a little longer horizon view and, you know, these deals are three to five years, they, they are, the, the, the time horizon is already kind of multi-year, but stuff's on sale. And if you can find a way to make the capital stack work, um, I think it's a great opportunity to get in on some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're actually seeing, um, you know, deals that we're pursuing that, um, you know, when we underwrite them, like, you know, six to 12 months ago, some of the returns we were chasing, it's like, you know, we're still kind of, you know, with taking less leverage and, and more capital in, you know, typically when you're you know doing a deal with lower leverage, you, you know, you, the returns go down slightly because you're, sure. you know, 
part of the leverage, you know, factor, it does, you know, boost up some of the returns, but like, we're actually seeing where some of these deals, if, you know, we can pencil them out where, you know, we can get similar returns, but also take less risk. And, right. um, and that's a great position to be in, as you mentioned. Um, and so those are the type of things that we're looking at, but um, yeah, it is one of those scenarios where if you can find um, great deals and you've got the capital sources and, and the wherewithal, like it's, you know, a lot of opportunities and money will be made now. And, and, and we're kind of looking at this, we went through a period where, you know, the real estate market was just, you know, we all did really well the last several years and it, it was great. And, and I tell investors like, look, this is not the norm. Right. Um, but, you know, even if like we look at, okay, what we did in 18 months, you know, that likely is going to take us two and a half, three years now to, to achieve the same results. Sure. But, you know, if the target is, you know, still a two X or a 1.8 X, you know, in that time frame, we're still above the historical norms of a two X multiple in five years, which is like <laughs> what we conservatively try to, you know, underwrite to. And so I, I still feel like, you know, if you take a step back, like, Yes, you know, the returns have gone down, but historically, like they're still really good compared to like, you know, just what I've typically seen over the years. And so, you know, when I look at it from that, I'm like, well, where else am I going to get, you know, these types of returns? And I try, that's why I try to invest in a lot of different deals and see what else is out there. But I just feel like multifamily has been one of those that just, you know, continues to, to be strong and, um, and, and weathers the storm well. And like I said, even if we got to hold on to them longer to, uh, you know, achieve, you know, more rent growth to, to, to get the, you know, similar NOI that maybe we got with, you know, some cap rate compression, um, you know, that that's totally fine. We're willing to do that. We have the, you know, the time horizon to do that. And I think, um, you know, part of this is maybe shifting a little bit of the investor's expectations because it was kind of a pretty frothy period and, and it was great. We took advantage of it and now, you know, it's going to be more of a maybe longer term hold um, just as we kind of get through whatever the next few years are going to look like. Yeah, 100%. And I think a lot of this too is kind of the education component of it. There's a there's a um, objective return, you know, an IRR or an average annualized return or whatever metric you're looking at, that's fine. And you can compare that metric across different time periods or different asset classes. But really for a lot of people that are looking to place capital, that objective return metric is, is one piece, but you've also got... Um, preserving capital. And, and, you know, we talked about taxes earlier, like a lot of people are doing this, just, just give me the dang depreciation because at some point um, it's less about your, your objective IRR metric than it is about not losing capital. So you've got double digit CPI print on inflation and you've got tax consequences. And those, those are two metrics that, you know, smarter investors or investors with more capital place completely understand that you need a safe haven from inflation and you need mm -hmm. a safe haven from tax, a tax burden, or at least a defer, you know, a deferral mechanism. Um, so it's not just an object, you know, one IRR number, it's kind of the, the whole, piece of the pie. And I imagine a lot of your investors kind of understand that and, and are, are doing it for the depreciation or the, uh, you know, the hedge against inflation, right? Yeah, I would say we've got a lot of sophisticated investors who understand that. And yeah, when times are good, and we can really, you know, have some significant IRRs, we'll take that. But I think, you know, they understand that, you know, over the long run, it's, it's more about, you know, consistent 
growth with you know tax benefits and, and good cash flow. And so, you know, a lot of investors who have made their money, there's this preservation of wealth. And so you've right. got to take that into consideration when you're, you know, managing you know, their money and these assets. And so um, that's something that, you know, that we, we, we look at very closely. And, um, and, and so I, I think most get it. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like, you know, we're just in this for the long haul and there's going to be different periods, different cycles. It's hard to, you know, hard to time it. You know, I, I know people the last three years sat on the sidelines and, and you questioned what we were doing. And, and I think they probably missed out on some of the best returns I've ever seen. And, and, and who knows what the next couple of years are going to be like, but I'm a big proponent of like, you know, if we can underwrite something and we're very conservative and, you know, we believe that we've got, you know, a good, um, you know, plan in place should, you know, things change. Like, I like to have money in motion. I like to have it working for me because yes. if it's sitting on the sidelines, like with inflation, you're actually, you know, losing money. So at the end of the day, like whether I'm getting, you know, 6% cash flow or 8%, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's better than zero. Right. Or, yeah. or, and so um, I kind of look at it like, you know, if you lose a few years by not investing, like to try to time it up, you miss out on that consistent growth. And then when you have, you know, the tax, benefits here. It's like, that's the, that compounds over time. And, and you, time is sometimes, you know, very valuable in these syndication deals. And so um, that's just kind of the, the philosophy that we, we've taken and the strategy. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big proponent of having money in motion. And, and, and you know, after, after you do, your, you know, your own diligence and making sure that it's, you know, the right fit, but I, I typically don't have a ton of money sitting on the sidelines waiting for the the best opportunity because it's really hard, I think, for any investor to know when that time is. And 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 then, you know, then there's a lot of risk in, in getting that right and deploying, you know, a maybe a larger amount of money into one deal. So right. I, I kind of just take the long-term approach and and that's why we really like, you know, the cash flowing deals with um, you know, equity upside and great tax benefits. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think it's great philosophy. Always be deploying, uh, always be trying to find, you know, the, the right next investment, a lot of base hits stack up over time for sure. Uh, I love it. Well, I, I really enjoyed seeing your progress and the firm's growth over time and all the different things you guys are doing. Um, Ryan, thanks for jumping on. If somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way is just to go to our, our website, McKennacapital.com. And, and from there, You'll be able to, you know, sync up with me. Um, you can join our investor club if you want to, you know, get access to some of these opportunities, or at least, you know, get our monthly newsletter. Um, we're on all the social sites too, so you can, you know, get access to and, and follow us there as well. Um, but yeah, no, thanks again for having me on, Devin. This was uh, was nice to catch up, and I uh, hope this was 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 good for your listeners to, you know, help share uh, my story, but also talk through, you know, the current real estate market and kind of what we're both. Uh, both trying to do is as entrepreneurs and business owners here to really kind of, um, you know, I always look at this as create awareness about these types of yes. opportunities. You know, I, yep. I feel like um, we're all in this together and there's still a significant, you know, portion of the population that doesn't realize these types of opportunities are out there. So I always feel like it's my mission to just kind of share more uh, about, you know, syndication in general. And you know, at the end of the day, let investors decide if it's a good fit for them or not. And um, so it's, it's always good that, you know, get an opportunity and, and a place like this to, you know, to share those thoughts. Yeah, I totally agree. And a lot of, you know, kind of our mission is, is education to your point. I mean, we've got, you know, of, of all the folks, let's say in America that have the wherewithal to potentially invest in a deal like this, I think we're talking to like 1% of them, you know, <laughs> we feel like it's all we do and everybody's in this, but if you really zoom out, I mean, they're, I'm sure you're astonished by the amount of like really sophisticated, um, 
folks that have good income or good jobs or a lot of investor cap investable capital that like don't even know this exists, you know? Um, and so a lot of it, I say 99% of the, yeah, 99% of the population don't know these deals exist. And, and the crazy thing is like the number one response I hear from most of our investors is like, God, I wish I would have known about this 15 years ago, like right. what I could have done to my net worth. And yeah. you know, that part is just like, it feels good knowing that like you at least maybe brought this to their attention and they were able to, you know, analyze it and, 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 and potentially participate in it. But like, God, I feel like there's such an opportunity to educate others and 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 share with you know with, with kind of the masses what what this syndication business is all about and and yep. you know different way to invest and so um, it'll be fun to I guess see that continued growth with with, with all of us because um, I do think there's a you know ton of opportunity ahead of us. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, those listening, um, you can go to the show notes right there in your podcast app and click through to McKenna Capital. Go check it out. Go join Ryan's newsletter, learn about what they're up to. Um, Ryan, thanks for jumping on. It was great catching up. We'll do it again in a couple of years. See, see where you guys are at. Oh, thanks, Devin. I really enjoyed it. You take right, care. We'll see, yep, yep, we'll see you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the DJE Podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.